We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Kingdom. Welcome back to One on One, a KC Sports Network podcast. I am your co-host, nine-year NFL veteran Mike DeVito, here as always with my brother, co-host, nine-year NFL veteran and Super Bowl champion Jeff Allen. And we are here to bring you all things Chiefs football from a player's perspective. And we got a fun episode today. Before we get into it, though, this, this show, as always, is brought to you by Cookie Society Cookies, best cookies in the world. Cookie Society ships nationwide. Trust us, we're linemen. We know our cookies. Check them out. Def's in the background. That's the that's the uh, where all the magic we're, happens, right? We're at the bakery right now. We're set up live at the studio. Cookies, oh, I can smell them. Uh, see, that's why I have to put my, I have to put something blocking your screen so that I don't. <laughs> <play>. <laughs> but Better check them out. CookieSociety.com. I uh, got to check them out. And we have a special guest, as you can see today on the screen, uh, 16-year NFL veteran with the Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl champion, two-time pro bowler, and my friend and one of the greatest people I've ever been around, Dustin Colquitt. Dustin, how you doing today, brother? What's going on, fellas? Good to see you guys. Man. Good to see you too, brother. It is great to see you, Dustin. Two of my all-time favorite, one, one on each side of the line. You can't beat that. I miss this crew so much. I can't even. I can't even go down the the road because I'll, I won't be able to make it through the super this uh, uh, episode. But just seeing you guys, it just oh man, it's it just speaks to the locker room in Kansas City, right? That even six years out, I still look at you guys like my brothers. Yeah, we're, we're the old guys now. I mean, Dustin was a little bit more fortunate than us. He doubled our careers, so he's always <laughs> been the, he's always been the old guy. Um, but yeah. it's awesome to be together. You know, not in the same room, but. In the same in the podcast. It's just good to see your faces. And the the cool part about uh, the, this these three is the the wives, the kids, the family part. So it's on two two or three fold. You have you know the locker room, which everybody misses. But then when you have like family and kiddos that have hung out and kind of you know raised kids together like that, that's the things that you're the the heart throbs. That you're like, oh, I miss these yeah. guys. My wife does a, um, a calendar every year, right, with pictures from the past that, you know, they're all part of the calendar. She goes on Snapfish and does it. And every year there's pictures from our time in Kansas City, right? And I'll see 
you know, all of us at the birthday parties, there'll be a picture of that, or all of us at the suites at the, at the game and, and the kids hanging out. It's just like, and my wife said to me the other day, she's like, do you believe we did that? Like, do you believe that was like, it seems like it wasn't real, you know, and I'm, I'm further out than, you know, Dustin, you're still going, Jeff, you've only been out a couple of years. It's like the yeah. further you go, the more you're like, man, it, did that even really happen? You know, like, did that really go down? I mean, it's just, it's amazing. So I see you guys like, oh yeah, that's right. It's real. That did happen. You know, exactly. I, I think the coolest part about it all was just the family atmosphere. You know, yeah. I left Kansas City for a bit and, you know, from talks with guys around the league, it's not like that everywhere. You know, that was truly a family feel. You know, you spoke about the family, the kids and everything. And what people don't know is I was younger than both of you. And, um, you know, I would aspire to be the husbands that you were, the fathers that you were. And I would learn so much from the you know, Bible studies we would have. Um, and, and that was special. That's something that, you know, you hold on to forever. Oh, it's so true. Justin, you were, I mean, you were there for, for so long. Was this a consistent theme always or was this something new during the Andy Reid era? Or is this, just, is this just a Kansas City sort of, that's the that's the way things go in KC. It's always a family, you know. Because like I like Jeff, I've been, you know, with New York and it wasn't, certainly wasn't like that. So what's your experience in KC as far as, you know, that family atmosphere? Yeah, I, I mean, I, that's when I came in the league in 2005, we had guys like Eddie Kennison, Trent Green, like guys that were like older veteran guys that had families that were already established that would invite you over to their houses. Like Eddie Kennison had a Bible study and he was like, I don't care if you have kids, but you need to come out and get in the, get in the book. And so we would go out there. And so that's all I ever saw. So once those guys started uh, getting older and not playing anymore or retiring um, or moving on to other cities, me and Chris were like, hey, these guys were in this Bible study. If they're gone, who's the next person up? And so we just kind of naturally transitioned into that. And then once we had more guys that, you know, having kids and that were, you know, very, that we loved hanging out with, we started kind of shopping around and doing different people's houses. Because, you, you know, you go to another people, somebody's house, they have food catering, you have that man pray over right. food. And then you go over to somebody else's house, whether it be Gafford or Suck Up or some of those guys that were there. Um, and so I, it's, as, that's the only thing we knew. And, and I was in two or three places. I was like the COVID punter last year a little bit and it, it wasn't the same. I mean, there were some Bible studies and, you know, so, some stuff like that, but I wasn't there long enough, obviously yeah. but in Kansas city. That's all I ever, I saw is, is, you know, Eddie Kennison and guys like that, that opened their home and expected you to be there every week. So yeah. that was a great, a great, great man to learn from. Justin, was it, you know, was it hard every, you were there for so long. Was it hard every year to build those friendships? Because I think one of the reasons why it isn't like this at a lot of places is because guys know, like, you're just, you're going to be, you know, guys are going to be gone in a year, two years, you know, you're going to have a whole different locker room. Kansas City did a really good job, I think, at least while I was there, keeping the same core group together for for a long time. But, of course, over time, even that, uh, everybody gets spread out. So, what is it? What was it like for you being there for so long, uh, seeing you know close families come and then leave? I mean, I, I imagine you know having the new families come in is great, and you're meeting new people, but it's got to be hard. It was hard for us to leave. It's got to be hard to see all your friends going all over the place, suck up and and Gafford and those guys. Yeah, and it, and it was tough, but I think that you know when you meet and you guys, this is your all's answer too. Is the reason why we were friends is because we enjoyed 
spending time with each other. And when you, when you spend a lot of time with each other, you have a, get a feeling like, you know, if this guy, the way he is, he probably has a, a pretty cool wife. And yeah. that means I bet my wife will like them. And then we right. kind of force that on them. And then they're like, Oh my God, this is great. Like this is yeah. perfect. <laughs> and so it, it's, it, it's an organic thing that happens in training camp. And when you, when you bring humor in and that's what I've always tried to do because we're, we just don't have as much film and as meetings and as yeah. physically demanding as your all's job. And so it was easy us, easier for us to be social. And if you guys have something to laugh at and that's camaraderie and an ability to kind of make it special. And it's not just football. You're not just getting yelled at for 18 straight days yeah. um, by some of these guys. It's, there's actually some fun involved. And so, and, and we tried to, I always considered myself an honorary offensive lineman because um, yeah. and, and I like defensive linemen. There's no offense there, but I always enjoyed, enjoyed linemen because they're very cerebral. You guys are all very smart. They like playing board games and that's my wife's love language. Um, <laughs> and so it just, it naturally meshed. And so it, it was like a perfect place. None of us really liked going out. So yeah. we'd like staying yeah. at the house and, and having that environment. So that was fun. Well, and Dustin, I'm a white, unathletic, 320 pound lineman with number 70. You know what I mean? So like I was, yeah, I was an old lineman at heart as well. <laughs> You're basically no longer. <laughs> you, I love it. it. You, you talk about camp. So that, that, that's a great transition sort of, because I, I always envy you guys, uh, but we would come to camp. And like you said, it's, it's tough and it's grinding. And uh, not that you, you guys didn't have it difficult, but it was like, oh, man. You know, there goes Dustin. He's going golfing, or he's so take us through. What's it like being a specialist at training camp? I mean, because from our perspective, I know I speak for Jeff too. It looked it looked pretty nice. It's pretty fun, man. It looked pretty fun. I was jealous always. Yeah, it it was good. I mean, the hardest part of training camp was for for me was always was faking the not faking, but like trying not to let anybody know that this is like my sixth or seventh uh, half gasser and I've got a side stitch going like a cramp and I can't like run through it <laughs> and you can't complain about it because my training camp drastically like gets easier as we get going after this run. And so I'm like, I have got to suck this up. People are, people are actually like watching this. Um, <laughs> and so, and then it, it's, it was always tough because we tried to, you know, when the big guys would come out, we were in like our stretching lines or the dynamic workout stuff. That's when we would go back up the hill into the air conditioning, into the uh, the <laughs> the indoor complex as you guys just started. And you could just feel the eyes watching you leave and disappear. <laughs> and you're going like and so you're like you try to like find alternate routes because you always have fans going like, hey, good guy, guys. Uh, you know, and, and you know, that's like just not good. Um, so it, I, the hardest thing is, you know, sitting there telling a coach and you're like, man, it looks like I'm kicking three out of the next five days. I hope my leg can make it through that. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that's, a, but it is for a specialist. I mean, that, that is a lot. I don't matter if you're young or old or anything like that but at, at the same time saying it out loud in front of you guys is not good to do <laughs> you know you talk about how you brought because because 
kickers aren't, or the specialists I've been around prior to getting to Kansas City aren't like you. And this is one of the reasons why you get voted a captain every year. And uh, you're so loved in the locker room because generally the specialists, from what I've seen, I don't know, Jeff, if you saw this in Houston, sort of keep to themselves, right? But yeah. you, you really made it sort of your... I mean, you just knew you were a leader in that locker room and you brought the humor and you brought and, and you were what allowed us. So you, you talk about how you would, you know, you would go and, and have to kick three days during camp. But you got us through camp. There were so many days where you would bring jokes and do funny things and lift guys up. It was I mean, you just always brighten up that locker room uh, and you really were a leader. So, so was it difficult ever to take that role? Because you talk about how, you know, a kicker and you and, and you, you know, you're, you're thinking about. You know, look at the effort. Look what these guys are doing. You know, and I'm kicking three days. But so, was did it ever take? Uh, you know, did it ever feel tough to take that leadership position? Because you were great at it. You were. I mean, you were clearly one of the best leaders in the locker room. So I, uh, I don't meet. You know, I don't meet Jeff Allen's and Mike Devito's if I'm playing at any other position other than punter, right? So. With that said, when you're in a locker room and you know that, you know that there's no way I'm making a 53-man roster on any of the 32 teams and probably not the Canadian Football League unless I'm punting a football. And so I always took that as kind of a challenge to say, I know the one reason why I'm here is I better be really good at what I'm doing or they're going to find somebody else that can. And when I met meet guys like you, which are the superstars because you're playing every down. You're the first and third down um, guys that, that make stuff happen. And it's fun to meet you guys. And when you actually meet and you're like, man, these guys are so down to earth. They're fun to be with. Families are great. And if I can just kind of crank up a little bit of funny in that, and cause I thrive off of people and laughter and that helps my job get easier because I'm not thinking about, hunting or holding or anything that I probably should be spending a little more time thinking about. Um, that was the, the fun time where I would get lost in training camp and be able to sit down with somebody in a, in a cold tub and be like, dude, I know you guys are, it's really hard. And I, I can't imagine, you know, getting up eight Oh five, seven Oh five on the field. You're on there for three hours. You're getting like one or you know, two, three water breaks, whatever it is you're losing. A lot of people don't realize big guys lose 11 or 12 pounds in a practice sometime in training camp, just trying to get your body regulated. And th- then, you know, you're sitting next to this guy that you're like, God, this, these guys were like either all Americans everywhere, the most high achievers. And the only reason why I'm here is to punt, make them laugh. And then I get out of the same cold tub that I'm sitting with this human being that I would never be able to share a locker room with. And I was naked the whole time. And <laughs> They real, and then when you leave the room and you've already told the fresh the the rookie tied in, you're like, did you play basketball? You look like an athlete. And they go and they're like, oh yeah, I was uh, you know all conference my rookie year or my my freshman year and the sophomore year I started concentrating more on. And you kind of like give them a couple little nudges and rub up against them, and then they realize, but three or four minutes later that you were naked during the nudges. Um, <laughs> And they watch, they watch you leave with no towel, no gray shorts, nothing. And they, then, they, then you see them about seven and a half hours later at snack, and they're like, man, you got problems. 
<laughs> so well, I, have a, I have a question for you. So where'd you get this fear from? You come from a long line of, of punters with your family, um, your history. Is the humor come along with that, that ability to punt the football? I think so. My, my dad was always uh, – he, he was always joking, always keeping the mood light in our house. If, you know, if my mom was having like a hard time, she worked at Becker CPA review and we were younger and uh, worked in a dental office. And so she would come and come back from home. Just like, absolutely. She's like, I've seen, you know, 40 patients today, just like, and nobody had anything nice to say over and over. So my dad would like get out like little Mexican guitars and like sing the blues and just, be totally outlandish. And so I saw him like just really entertaining just me and my little brother and, and mom. And so he never pushed football on us, never pushed the punting thing, even though he, he was drafting the third round of the Pittsburgh Steelers, won a couple, a couple Super Bowl rings, but it was never, uh, you got to do this. It was, it was, I want you to be holy and happy. And he also said, and you have a big responsibility to make others happy. And so I always worked on like, we would, I would, we would, it was, I would go to like biology and my, my parents and stuff would, they would come back from a teacher, like a parent teacher conference stuff. And uh, they said, Miss Hannon had a couple interesting things to say about you. And I was like, Oh really? What'd she say? And she goes, well, said that you're, you just, you're a little bit of a class clown, but she can't imagine the class without her or without you. And one of the things you said, you weren't paying attention, but this is not good. So don't take all this as good. This is not a good thing. But I guess I was in biology and they said uh, we were working on cooking, cooking things and, you know, some some chemistry of this. And so uh, she, she she asked me a couple of times, she goes, Miss, Mr. Colquitt, are you awake? And I was like, what? She goes, we're asking you, do you know what fat back is? And I said, I don't know, but my dad has it. <laughs> and so. Of course, I'm like thrown out in the in the hallway for a little while. She comes back in. I'm here. Meanwhile, I'm hearing like laughter in there and some of it's her. And so I'm like, I'm done. I'm getting kicked out of the class. There's no way. And so every time she tries to come out and get me, she's she's giggling, laughing more. So she has to go back in, sit, try to start the class again. Then she's like, all right, I got it. She comes back out. She goes, Mr. (laughs) She'll go back in and come back out. So. I think it's just one of those things that we saw my dad do. He always met, no matter where we were, if we were at his work, he would bring us into his work and say, Hey, uh, Hey buddy. Uh, I'm, I'm working tonight a little bit late or whatever. So I brought my son with me, you know, I'm, I'm making sure that in high school and stuff, this kid is never going to get in trouble. And because if he doesn't, he's going to be cleaning, you know, 400 trash cans on the first floor of the, uh, of this trucking, uh, he had international truck. Uh, this is like this big uh, th- thing that his commercial cleaning company had, and he worked there. And so I called him. I said, "Hey, Dad, I am done. Four hundred trash cans." And he goes, "That's awesome. Congratulations. You have five more floors of four hundred trash cans." So I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And man, you start getting into Indian food, like, oh, for, for, oh forget about it, dude. Um, so anyway, I remember him bringing in, bringing into this boss. His name's Buddy Helton. He looks at Buddy and he looks back at me and he goes, I don't care what anybody says about this guy. He's a good guy to his boss. And so I'm like, all right, that was awkward. So he goes out. So my dad was always that person that made people either think about it or 
you're like, you know what? Work's not that bad, right? Yeah. Right. So he was the guy in training camp. Well, I'd be like, how's training camp? I'm like, bad. It's tough. Like when Dick Vermeil was here, it was like two days. It was we were at two a days, full pads, mm-hmm. and we were punting twice a day. So the three out of five days was nothing to complain about. And so I'd complain. He goes, does it beat working in a cubicle? Yeah. And so I was like, all right, yeah, I got you. I got it. Puts it in perspective for you. Always. What? So of all the years that you were there, what was the most difficult training camp you've seen? I mean, you saw 16 of them. What What was like that training camp where you're just like, wow, I can't believe we're going through this. Right days. Yeah, it's definitely two days for you guys because, um, I mean, you're you have they don't you know you're in pads normally twice a day. Sometimes you know towards the end of the two a day stuff that they were doing, they'd throw like the the uh, shells on or whatever. But it, it didn't matter. You were still battling lactic acid and dehydration, right? Yeah. Especially you guys, and so it's one of those things you're you're like this is you know you have like a trainer somebody come out and say hey you know the third day of camp is the most dangerous for pulls and you know and and you know injuries and stuff like that and you're like well yeah we just did a run test at 805 in the morning and then we were on the field at three o'clock in the afternoon and then we had another practice at 705 the next morning that's three practices in 24 hours are you guys idiots like, of course there's going to be a lot of injuries like is are you just like is are you are you doing that so you have a couple people to take care of that's not a good philosophy you're trying to you're trying to keep people out of the training room not like sitting there with a hammy pole um, oh Justin I remember my first couple of years with in New York with Mangini um uh, it was the same thing right the two a days and you would you'd go out to practice come back in after three and a half hours, take your stuff off shower and then get taped and dressed again to go to meetings so that you can go right back out. And yet the whole time around the facility, you'd see like these Gatorade signs that said, make sure you get eight hours of sleep and getting into the tubs and stretching out, you know, and all the things you do. It's like, bro, how, you don't give us time. How do you, how do you, <laughs> it's yeah. amazing how different it is now than it was back then. I mean, oh my goodness. Yeah, and that's and that's true. And I still I have no idea. I know that my last year in Kansas City was two years ago. Well, the Super Bowl year. But I yeah. still remember, you know, the dialogue of like, make sure you're hydrating and getting getting your feet up and getting plenty of rest. And I'm like, either way you cut this, we've had three practices in 24 hours. Right. And we're not on the second day. So unless you get rid of that, we're <laughs> We can't do what you're telling us to do. This is all like, this is like lip service. Right. So, but yeah, you're right. And it's, you know, it's one of those things you're like, make sure you get proper sleep. And you're like, let, it, let the guys out of meetings on time. And they're eating three tacos at 945. So, I mean, let's let, the, let's let the big guys sleep and, and, you know, don't let them out so late. Oh, man. eating tacos that you're getting in bed by 11 and then you're up at 545 to be at breakfast at 6. So. You know what You know oh, what training camp reminds me of? You guys ever see the movie Inception? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's training camp. If you guys have never seen it, the guys listening or one listening, go, go look it up and they'll give oh, you a glimpse man. of training camp. It's, that's yeah, exactly. I, I never understood it. And that's what, that's why I started doing the, um, that's why I started doing the, stuff in the dorm rooms because you know they'd come in and i'd 
you know, being like a birthday suit or something like that. And you walk in and you're like, that guy, we started, we started videotaping it and stuff like that, which was not a good idea because we got occasional coach or like a, like an intern coach doing like, you know, doing like a little internship during training camp. They'd open the door and like, look a little bit too long. And you're like, you're like, wait a second. Like that was kind of, that was kind of weird. Um, but it's, it's one of those things you're like, make sure you get as much sleep as you can, but we're going to, you're going to go to bed about 945 ish, 950, but we're going to yell your name at 11 to make sure you get out of REM sleep. And then you can try to get back to sleep. And I'm like, this is crazy. If anybody in training camp sneaking out, you're an idiot. Like nobody's, oh, nobody's doing that. Quit waking no, me up at 11 no. guys. Or you get hit with a drug test early in the morning. You got to get up even earlier. I've never understood the that. Drug- what can you put in your body? At, what can you put at your body in GNC or something? You can't throw up and do, you know, both sides enough to be able to get rid of something. To do it at 11. Oh. <laughs> just at 4 o'clock in the morning. You know what day it always fell on for me? Goal line short yardage day. The hardest day of camp, I get a knock. You know, I get that paper. They have to be up at 4.05 to go pee. It's like, oh, come on. We couldn't have been a, it couldn't have been a spider's day, right, or a walkthrough. Right. It had to be goal line short yardage day. I mean, yeah. just unbelievable. And I, I used to tell the guy, you know, I was at Brian in Kansas City. I'd be like, listen, who would come around and knock, you know, whatever it was, 11 o'clock to make sure everybody was in their room for curfew. I tell him, listen, if you catch me out, I'll give you a game check. Just don't, please don't knock on my door at 11 o'clock because you wake me up and then I can't go back to sleep and then I'm up all night. It's like, I'll, I'll pay, if you ever catch me out, you, I will pay you whatever, however much I make for the first game, I'll pay you. It's like, just don't knock on my door. Just please trust me. You know? That's yeah. Terrible. Or, or oh. just like, you know, can you hit me at the tail end of this so I can get like some proper sleep, get all the rookies. Like if you have your list, it's not all rookies in one day. Hit like ten of the, hit, hit hit like seven of those rookies a day, and then plug me in there. And don't send an intern because you know I'm mad because I'm going to be even more mean to an intern because I do not know them. I do not care for the most part. And they always go, "Hey, Mr. Cole, you got to hurry up." And I'm like, "You woke me up out of REM dead sleep, and I need a couple minutes. <laughs> if you're following me, I need a couple minutes to get out of bed, and then I'll be there." And they're like, what do you oh. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Unless Steve wants a little present, you're gonna let me sleep in a little bit longer. So that was always the funny thing. And then, you know, he's ripping heaters out of the bathroom in there. Just oh. ripping heaters. So you go in, and he's like, How are you doing, Jeff? Jeff, how are you doing, Jeff? <laughs> And you're like, I can't even talk to my wife in the morning. That's that, but <laughs> hey, listen, we were upset, but that's why you were so important, Dustin. Not only were you one of the best punters in league history, just your personality and, and the, the way you lighten the mood throughout training camp and throughout the season when it got tough, it was needed, man. And guys like you are needed in the locker room and an important, an important part of success. Um, we need that. And, and I'm happy that I was a part of those teams with you. Oh man, that was so yeah, that was so much fun. I just appreciate being an honorary lineman because sometimes they don't, you know, people don't like specialists, but it's the specialists that keep to themselves and don't share the humor yeah. with everybody. 
that's the best part about Justin, it. Justin, take us take us through it, man. Well, what what were some of your because you I mean, we could spend a whole day talking about the pranks that you did and the stuff that you did during drinking. Give us like your your top couple. Like what were some of your you know the your your favorite pranks or the favorite funny stunts that you pulled the train camp. Take yeah, us through so, them. Well one of my one of my favorites I always did uh the whiteboard art. And so I would go in and I have like Matt Maggie holding an ice cream cone with not pretty much nothing on and a machine gun. <laughs> and so you'd have you'd have uh Andy Andy Reed coming in, That's Coach Reed would come in and you know he's trying to he's trying to dial Dwayne Bow in and run these routes and so we'd always put a we'd always put a penis on on Dwayne's route and so Andy'd be like Dwayne all it is you go up and you who did that <laughs> who did that and so he'd get it out of Alex he's like Alex who and Alex is like I don't know and he goes who did it and Alex is like who do you think and so it was always funny we'd be sitting on the sidelines have nine on seven or whatever you guys are doing out there. And we'd be sitting there and coach Reed would be walking out and he'd look over and make eye contact with the three of us standing there kind of watching. Cause we're, you were always excited. We, we would not be on a team if it wasn't for kicking, punting, snapping. So we're sitting there kind of watching and he'd you'd make eye contact and he'd be like, Hey, two, you need professional help. Um, but at the same time, those guys would laugh so hard. And it was one of those things where it would, it, I'd go a week or so without doing something and you'd have come up and like two, are you okay? What's going on? And so I'm like, wait, do you not want me to do it? Or you want me to do it? Or what? Like, what's the deal? And he goes, I think the guys need something. So then I was like, I'm going to get, so like Anthony pleasant. And like, if there was like position coaches started, they would start doing it. And then they got to the point where B enemy was like, I am not checking that punter's room. Quit putting me on bed check. And so I, I love that because that would get around to guys and it would just, I, I just, you could see, you could see like that next morning at practice, they, the coaches would be like, I cannot believe he did this. This is crazy. So it just let everybody just relax just a little bit. Of course we love our job. We love football. God blessed us with a million things, but we need to, we need to laugh during this time. It's the hardest time during our whole season. Oh, I forgot all about the whiteboard. There, for those who don't know, there's this whiteboard that at the uh, training camp facility where you you'd walk out of the meeting rooms and the first thing you would see was this whiteboard. That was Justin talking about putting all the stuff up there. Justin, you that stuff used to kill me, man. Remember, me. I walked by there. Uh, remember uh, Nick Potter? Yeah, the trainer Nick Potter. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He's and I think he's working for the Mavericks now. Good dude, but he one year. See, I didn't know this. Rick Burkholder always would have interns that would come in, and he's been instrumental in getting a lot of uh, ladies in our doors that are fantastic trainers that you know do these internships. And now some are full time, and which is which is great. Um, they're they're working their way into you know the NFL workplace, and so. But it's like one of those things where he doesn't, he may not want notoriety for it or whatever it is, but he doesn't tell you, which he needs to tell everybody, like. Full disclosure, there's going to be some some women in the uh, training room. So one particular time, we had like seven or eight guys after one practice that were going down, probably the third day. And, uh, you know, after just – and so I found these rollerblades and decided to rollerblade naked through the training room. And, man, guy, it was like – it was you could hear a pin drop in there 
And then once I got into the, the, uh, the turf field in there, it was like a roar of laughter. I kept going towards the weight room to see if Barry could, you know, catch a little glimpse. I have anything on, but rollerblades, I don't even have socks on. And, um, so Rick finds me like after snack one time, he goes, Hey, we had two interns in there that were female. You need to be careful. And I was like, that would have been nice to know. Like, uh, give me, but at, th- at that point it was, it was like downhill. I remember that training camp, that, that compression just kind of left and guys, I mean, I think two of them just got up and said, I don't need any more treatment. I never want to see that again in my life, but I'm going to laugh about it. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to laugh forever about it. So, oh man. Um, Justin. It's- yeah. I'm trying to think some more. There's some that I just can't, I probably can't tell. Yeah. I mean, no, no, but just, just like Jeff said, though, I mean, you're the, you're one of the greatest punters in the history of the game. And yet I'm so glad we're talking about this because it gets, you know, allows Chiefs fan to see how much, you know, obviously you're going to bring it on Sunday, but you, you really made such a massive difference. And it, it, even now thinking about those things, I totally forgot about the whiteboard, about the coaches coming in to check on you. I mean, about all this stuff. I just can't tell you enough from as a player in that locker room going through hell during training camp. That kind of stuff made all the difference, brother. All the difference. So I, I just, thought of another one. Can I tell one more? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. So this was one of my favorites because you get on you you do the mock game, you get on the bus, you kind of fall asleep on the way to the airport. And once you get on that plane, the business kind of sets in you're like all right we're going on a business trip you can enjoy it but you know in about 24 hours you guys are clanging heads with other people and my as my grandmother would say why do you always give the ball back to the other team and i'm like are you i'm like mimi can you please just i mean everybody makes fun of specialists can you just just love what i do please (laughs) so that anxiety of you guys leaving one city and going to the other knowing that this is a dangerous sport put my body on the line for my loved ones, for my wife, my kiddos. And my favorite part though, is that is like two or three days before everybody would go to the dry cleaners and get their stuff cleaned up and pressed and suited and booted and looking good. All those things, they'd bring it into that day. They'd hang it up in their locker. They'd tear the plastic off in preparation. They'd go up mock game. Then they're in meetings. The specialists come down and I would go get jocks and put them in some of the pockets. And so those guys, as the, the big guys, especially on the planes, as you guys are sitting on the planes, you get tired, you know, you've got to, you, you're, you eat something to kind of put down the anxiety, but then you get tired, the blood catches up with you, you're drinking so you don't get dehydrated in the high altitude of the plane. And as you guys sink down, if you haven't take your jacket off, which was great, but you start pinching over and you feel a, this bulge. And so, my favorite part was they'd reach down like Tyson Jackson or whoever it was and lift up and like, Colquitt, we're putting jocks in our suits. And so it was one of those things. I just thought it was funny because everybody would, they get to the point of, they're like, just wait for it. You're going to find something somewhere either on your body or in your bag. Uh, and it's going to be, and it's be great. So I used to do that even to the visitor team. The fun part about flying to Kansas City is every time you left Kansas City, you left with a big case of beer, cold beer. And so we used to put funny party favorites down in there and we'd 
we'd stack it with, I'd stack it with all glass and make it a rolling cooler. So, so you come to Kansas city from 13 to 2020 and you're probably going to lose, but you have somebody getting back on a bus and a plane clanking through the aisle way with glass beer and ice going everywhere. And it, they're just like, why are you doing this? And so, but when, when you would play other places and these guys would fly everywhere, that's why I feel like I'm an honorary offensive lineman. I'd give it to the specialist, but tell them to kind of share around and whether that the sh- it's the sheriff in Denver and, and all that, but they would always be like, that guys would come up after the game, handshaking stuff. They're like, Hey man, you're our favorite guy. Thanks for that beer, bro. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm like, even if I haven't met him. And so I think like, it's fun having an impact on somebody, but also for me, all having that acceptance and just loving on guys and just being, be a part of it. I'm not a big guy. I mean, like a, I'm like a golfer and you know, every, everybody wants to do our job from like Monday to Saturday. And then on Sunday, they're like, Oh no, no, not for me. But yeah. I enjoy, that's how I met a lot of my friends just hanging out and being personal, having relationships. I love that part of the game. Oh, you were, I mean, you just, you, there was nobody better. And, and even just coming in as a new guy, uh, from you know spending six years in New York and then coming in and you being one of the first people I met, I mean that that transition can be hard for new guys going into new places and it's like, I mean you made it so easy. So we could talk about this all day, but there's everything you've done for Kansas City, Dustin, just amazing. And I know Jeff and I can both attest to that. We've kept you for a long time, but I did want to ask you about this team this year specifically, the specialist, what you see, and then obviously a rookie punter last year. He has a bit of a difficult, you know, he has a good season, but he has a bit better difficult uh, time in the Super Bowl. You know, what's it like playing as a rookie punter? And then how do you bounce back from a tough game like that, in, you know, Super Bowl game? Yeah, that's tough. And no, I appreciate all the compliments. I, what I would say was I remember when, uh, when you came back for the second time, Jeff, uh, one of my favorite things was listening to a coach say that you were coming back and say, we got to get our toughness back in our room. I wanted to share that because I thought that was really cool that he said that in front of people before you got back here. And then probably my favorite story about you, Mike, is that uh, rehab story that I share all the time with you and Derek about you not being able to hear him and understand him. One, because the stadium's so loud and and, in the arrowhead and you're like, I can't understand what he's saying. Then you do a rehab session for you do rehab for a year and you're hearing his voice every day. And all of a sudden you realize that next year when you guys are both back, you can hear everything he's saying. And so, and you related that in a, in a, in a uh, chapel one day. And I was like, Oh man, you, you said, that's kind of like the voice of God. You got to learn, you got to train your body to do that. So I thought that was cool. Um, so as far as, as the specialist, obviously Bucker is got, he's, he, he's the best kickoff leg in the league. Um, he's done really well. He's been very accurate in Kansas city. I know he's, uh, he's uh, had the extra point uh, dilemma a little bit on and off last year, not all year, just on and off. And that happens sometimes as you're getting to a, a young holder, somebody that's trying to figure out, you know, the ins and outs of Butker. Um, a lot of that is, you know, hiding laces uh, from them. Um, but James is, I watched James last year and, Man, he keeps getting better. A lot of people don't know Winchester's got the second highest vertical in the on the team, and that's yeah. pretty impressive. First, I mean, he's a very good athlete. And he's a receiver. 
Yeah, I know. And he's, he's an <laughs> he was, I'm like, you know, crazy story. He was he was at, at rookie minicamp with me my rookie season as a wide receiver from Oklahoma. Come on, that's really that's crazy. You know, yeah. a, a lot of people don't know that. A lot of fans don't know that. But he came in the NFL as a wide receiver. Yeah, just and light in the ass. Wasn't he like 109 or like 209 pounds? It was yeah, like something. He was a super explosive, great athlete. And then he taught himself how to snap. He told me that YouTube or something like that. I'm like, the internet is crazy. Oh, definitely. Oh. Yeah. It, and he's, I mean, he's, he's a special guy and had, had, I think, his best year last year. And, you know, I, I just think they need to get uh, the, the, the holding stuff is, is something that you have to do. Uh, it's not a 10,000 time thing. It's like a million time thing. You yeah. just got to keep going over and over and over and, and expect. We always talked about load sharing. That snapper has 33%. The holder has 33%. And that kicker is 34 because he's got to make the kick no matter what we do. But right. if it's – we want a, a good snap. If it's not a good snap, the holder cleans that up. So the only thing that Bucker is thinking about is hitting it through the pipes. It's, it's, it's right. what he gets paid for, and he's, he's been exceptional at it. Um, as far as the Super Bowl uh, goes, I thought he, he had a good year um, for sure. He had games where you're just like, man, this, this kid is super talented because he is. Um, and then you have, you know, the game uh, down in Tampa during the regular season in front of fans, which was tough to watch. And then the Super Bowl, which they brought me back for. And that was that was hard for me to watch for him, too. Um, just kind of not knowing the rules and coming back and having to repunt. Didn't know that. So he repunt and he shanked it. Um, and so uh, but it also makes you grow. I remember I didn't have the best rookie year. And my second year was probably one of my betters, my better in the 16 year, my 16 year career. So um, I, I think that, you know, sky's the limit as far as uh, his ability goes. Um, uh, he's just got to, you know, st stick with the path and, you know, make sure that, you know, you, you got to keep, you got to get that, get the, get that mind right, get that mental game going and realize that, um, you know, last year I thought he had a good year and now you're punting in front of a lot of fans that want to see really good punts and have expectations like out of the, out the roof in Kansas city. And so, this will be a this will be a big challenge to now have our fans back and and see see how it goes. But I, I think he has he has all the talent in the world, big leg, and um, you know I'm expecting him to do well. Wilson, this has been fantastic, brother. I can't thank you enough for your time today, coming on, all the stories and everything. And honestly, it's so great to see you, Dustin. So thank you for your time, Big Jeff. Great seeing you again, brother. And Chiefs Kingdom, we will see you again next week with another episode of One on One. Thank you guys so much for today. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Go Chiefs. Barbecue on me next time. We're all in KC. Love you guys. Love you, Love you brother.